0: Father, we thank you for another opportunity to gather together in this manner. Lord, you've kept us throughout the pandemic, and it's always refreshing to be amongst the people of God, live and in person. And so, Lord, now as the word of God goes forward, it is my prayer that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight and encouraging to your people. I pray this in Jesus' name, and all who believe said, amen, amen. and amen. Listen, I am excited uh, to be here with you on this morning. Uh, I want to thank you. I praise God for uh, the, whoever the team. I don't know anybody's name, but... Uh, those of you who blessed me this morning with the pancake and egg ministries, um, I really appreciate it. I didn't eat breakfast before I left, so thank you. But I also want to thank, I want to thank, say thank you to uh, Pioneer. Listen, I've been here now for almost 10 years, September will make 10 years, and uh, you have consistently uh, poured into Harbor of Hope. You've consistently supported with your prayers, with your finances, and many of you have shown up. Uh, to volunteer in a variety of ways. And so I want to say thank you. And I want to uh, share with you all some things that, uh, you know, last year I was here around the same time and I shared a message entitled uh, The Greatest Catch Ever. And the premise of that message was we were praying and we were believing uh, that by the grace of God that God was going to bless us with the greatest harvest yet, the greatest evangelism harvest yet And so I just want to share with you what your prayers and your contributions uh, blessed us to be able to do, whether it was packing uh, food at our food pantry and delivering over 500, 600 boxes of food to to individuals who were in need, whether it was passing out these uh, 100 free pair of of, of Nike shoes uh, to kids who were going back to school and needed some shoes. That was 100 families. Or the communities that we adopted, where we went out into those communities, we played games with the kids, uh, we fed them, we loved on them, and we preached the gospel to them, and people made decisions to follow Christ as a result. Or whether it was our uh, life skills class, where we uh, teach kids how to garden and work with the soil and uh, learn about that. Whether it was the reading program, uh, where we were able to teach about 20 kids consistently uh, to help them as far as their reading levels are concerned, or whether it was the auto mechanics class where young people got a chance to learn how to change oil or how to change brakes or how to change a tire. All of these things ultimately led to 70 souls being, being baptized into the harbor of hope. Amen. Praise God. Yep, you can, you can clap, you can celebrate. So, So we had this wonderful 2021 uh, was, was a banner year for us. And I want you to know that we could not have done it without your prayers. We could not have done it without your donations. As a matter of fact, there's a line item on our budget that says PMC Offerings uh, for Harbor of Hope. And we experienced an uptick right after I preached it. So my prayer today is that... See, you get it already. You get it. You get it already. You get it. I'm, I'm, I'm still fishing. Amen. Listen, so, so, so I, I want you to know that we had, a, we had a great year, we had a wonderful year, uh, but I also want to say something to you about that year, and I want to say that it was hard. The mission of God is exciting, right, but it's also hard. But here's what makes it hard. What makes it hard, what makes it more challenging is when you have a little people Doing a lot. There's an old saying that goes, "Many hands make light work." If everybody do, does a little, no one has to do a lot. So we had a small we had a small team that was that was you know really like every single day three months. We're going hard during the summertime, right? We're going hard, we're consistent, we're pushing it, and so it, 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 it was hard. And so as I began to uh, uh, think about today's message, uh, I began to, I said, you know, I need to let the people of God know, I'm about to let you in on some top secret stuff. All right? This is classified today. All right? But we're going to unclassify it to the world, to those who are watching and to, the, to those of you who are sitting here today, here's, here, here, here's the classified information I'm about to tell you. I'm, what I'm about to tell you is, is what goes on in your pastor's mind 24-7. If you've ever thought to yourself, what is my pastor doing right about now? I'm returning these tithes. What is he doing? What is she doing right now? Right. I want to let you know, I want to let you in on the pastor, on the secret of what pastors are thinking about 24-7. Here it is. It's real simple. Every pastor is thinking about, is dreaming about, is pulling their hair or rubbing their heads if they don't have any hair. And they're trying to answer the question, how can we get more of you involved in mission? That's what we're thinking about. That's what we're thinking about. And so, and so because, because pastors think about that, when you go through the seminary or even in undergrad, I can speak specifically through the seminary, you know, we even have a class called Mobilizing the Laity. And in that class, there are a number of things that we are taught, that we are told, that you want to make sure that you do these things so that you will have more of your members uh, engaged in ministry. Well, what are those things? Well, listen, see, you have to have a compelling vision statement. Your vision statement has to be clear. Don't make no long paragraph. Make it short. Make it memorable. Make it something that when they read it, they say, ah. You want to make sure that your mission is clear. You want to make sure that people are taking spiritual gifts assessments so that they're serving according to their gifts. You want to make sure that you you give clear next steps on how to sign up. You want to make sure that you follow up with people. You want to send out reminder emails. You want to do—and you just take a note, okay? But as I was preparing for this message, I came to a conclusion I said to myself, according to what I'm reading in preparation for preaching this message, we've been doing it all wrong. I've come to realize that, yeah, those things are good. But at the end of the day, it's not my fault that people are not engaging in ministry, it's yours. Because, because, hear, hear me now, I have a responsibility, of course, to preach the gospel, to teach, to educate, to try. I have a responsibility. But guess what? Ultimately, it's on you. And 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 so what I've come to conclude, what I've come to conclude is based on my reading and my understanding of the scripture reading that was read today. And specifically, we're going to focus on Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. And Isaiah says, the Bible says, and I said, Isaiah speaking, here am I, send me. Now, now, look, we, we, we have to unpack this though. We have to unpack this because, because in this statement here, there is a sense of enthusiasm. There is a sense of excitement that Isaiah says these words with. In other words, Isaiah is like the kids up here waving their hands and saying, pick me. Pick me, pick me. I, 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 I'm, I'm available, God. Pick me, God. That's the enthusiasm that the text is speaking to. In, in, in fact, it's almost as if Isaiah read what Paul wrote even before Paul wrote it. Some of my Bible folk, you got that. What did Paul write? Paul said, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Paul is communicating this idea that the people of God are to always be excited, have fervor. Be, be, be enthusiastic about doing the mission of God. This is, what, this is what Isaiah is trying to communicate here. Now, understand something. This is what blows my mind. Isaiah says, here am I. Send me without even knowing the assignment. You missed that. You missed that. You missed that. He didn't have, he didn't ask God, can you give me a, a job description of that, God? What's the What's the time commitment going to look like? Is this on Sabbath afternoons only? Is this just for a semester? How long are you? Can you send me an email to remind me of what time it is? Well, wait a minute. Let me see here. I have Okay, my favorite show, come on. No, that, we're supposed to watch this because the, the, the third episode releases on Friday. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, God, but I'm not available. Right? Isaiah doesn't even know what God wants him to do yet. But Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. Now watch this. Watch this. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. The word, the actual word in Hebrew, I did, I went to the seminary. I gotta, you got to use the seminary stuff every now and then, right? So <laughs> the Hebrew word is hineni, right? And here's what it communicates. It communicates three things. It communicates a willingness, availability, total availability, and already In other words, in other words, when Isaiah hears God scouting, he hears God giving, you know, uh, extending this invitation. He hears it, and he, it's almost as reporting to do to. Here I am, God. I'm am I'm, I'm I'm willing. I'm available, and I'm ready. How many of us can say that? When we hear God speaking to us, when we hear God giving us an assignment to do, in fact, the assignment hasn't even been given. It's just this readiness, this total abandonment of self to God for the mission of God. What would happen in the world if the church of every believer just in this place, what would happen to Berrien County? What would happen to Berrien Springs? What would happen to Michigan? What would happen in the world if this congregation alone had the attitude of Isaiah and said, God, no matter what it is, here I am, God, send me. This is why I call Isaiah a warrior for the mission of God. Now, some people may say, well, he, or, you know, he, was, he was a young man, pastor. And, 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 you know, you young people, y'all got energy and you got fervor and you got zeal and you got passion. And so, you know, he was young. That's why he was so available and ready and willing. He was, he was young. Okay, I hear you. Well, guess what? Abraham was old. And in Genesis 22, when God calls Abraham... To get up and go and sacrifice his son. Abraham used the same word, Hineni. When Moses, when Moses was, 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 was there in the desert and, and, and God said, Moses, Moses from the burning bush, Moses now an old man. Says, Hinaini. I'm available. So whether you are young, in between, or a seasoned saint, it still applies. So rather than, hear me now, rather than me placing so much emphasis on vision and strategy and mission and goal, I'm still going to do that. I've come to learn that there are three experiences that I believe every believer ought to go through in order to make them great volunteers. I believe that there are three experiences that every believer must go through, every Seventh-day Adventist Christian must go through in order for them to automatically say, sign me up, when they hear God's opportunities to go and serve. So we're going to spend some time answering this question today. What experience? must believers go through in order to become great volunteers who are warriors for the mission of God. And the first, the very first experience, I want to tell you this, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't, doesn't sound good, but you must experience devastation. There's something, there's something that that, that, that the great volunteers, all of the, when you look at the Bible, when you look at uh, church history, all of those who were committed, those who were sold out to the mission of God, at some point in their journey, they'd gone through some type of devastation. If you notice, the beginning of Isaiah's call or commission starts like this. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now, here's what you have to understand. Not only does Isaiah lose his king, but church tradition says that Isaiah and Isaiah, King Isaiah, are first cousins. This would suggest that Isaiah is not just experiencing political loss because his leader died, but this is personal. This is family. And somebody knows what I'm talking about today. Maybe somewhere along this pandemic, somewhere during this time, you lost a loved one or you lost your best health or you lost something. At at some point in your life, you have experienced some kind of devastation. As a matter of fact, just a quick show of hands. If you've ever experienced any loss or tragedy in your life, just raise your hand real quick. Just want to see. Guess what? You already had the first experience. You already, you already met the first criteria to becoming a warrior for the mission of God. Devastation, devastation. Look, we've all, we've all, as a, as a, as, as a world, have been experiencing over these past uh, several years, these past two years in particular, uh, uh, loss and death and devastation. We've all uh, uh, are witnessing. Uh, 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 the, the pain of, of war in our world. We all are experiencing, we all are going through. As a matter of fact, in, in Prophets and Kings, as Ellen White describes now, the conditions under which Isaiah is being called to serve, she says, look, iniquitous practices have become so prevalent, things were so bad among all classes, That the few who remain true to God were often tempted to lose heart and to give way to discouragement and despair. In other words, in other words, I imagine that there were some who every time they turned on the television, every time they saw their news feed, every time they got on Facebook, every time they turned on their phone, every time they they saw an email, every time they looked at the newspaper, every single time they saw death, they saw pain, they saw misery, and they got to a point where they want to throw their hands up and say, you know what, forget about it. I've been praying that God would change things over there in Ukraine. You know what? It's still happening. They said it was going to pull out. It's God, I'm just going to forget about it. It's so much crime. It's so much drama. It's so much hurt. It's so many negative things happening all around us. Sometimes it can turn, the, 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 we, we, we let tragedy turn into apathy. Apathy. And we, so we live in a culture where people say, you know what, it's none of my business. <laughs> I tried to do something about it, but I ain't, you know what, man, listen. I'll tell you something, listen. Uh, in Benton Harbor, Lord Jesus, help me. Listen, we had a shooting on Friday night. Was it Friday night? No, it was Thursday night, late Thursday night. And there was a shooting, several shootings have already happened within the past three months or so, I mean, within the past three weeks or so. You know, when it started getting warm, that's when more violence began to happen. I've seen a pattern. Been here for nine years, I've seen a pattern. So the temptation, the temptation is that when we see all of this, when we see poverty, The temptation is to look past it, to mind your own business. And that was one of the issues that God had with Israel. Their overlooking of the oppression of the poor. Their mistreatment of the widows and the fatherless. Their exploitation of those who had little so that they can get more. Listen. I've come to learn. This is this is uh, this was in this was uh, last year. Uh, had a little interview on the news where you know we were talking about what we were doing in terms of trying to make a difference in the community. And here's what I want. Here's the point I want to make out of this. We have we built a basketball court in, on the front lawn of the church. And last year we had over a thousand young people. To come through that court. But you know why we built the court? We built the court because of this idea. Learning to reframe tragedy as opportunity for ministry. We said, listen, we need to do something to give these young people something to do. To get them off the street. We wouldn't have a basketball court had not a reframing took place of the tragedy that was going on around. We wouldn't have had these young people pass through the, 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 the church of God, the house of God, the place where God is preached, a place where they can learn more about the Lord, had, not, had we said to ourselves, you know what, forget about it. And guess what? There has been shooting after shooting after shooting since the building of this basketball court. But guess what? We're going to keep on serving. We're going to keep on teaching. We're going to keep on preaching. We're going to keep on having programs. Why? Because at some point, the people of God, listen, we cannot sit back and say, hey, well, you know what? Jesus will solve this when he comes. He certainly will. And I'm looking forward to it. But he has called you and he has called me to play our role in helping him solve it until he comes. So we have to reframe tragedy as an opportunity for ministry. And watch this. Just like Isaiah, the great volunteers experience devastation as preparation for revelation. I'm rhyming on purpose. I want you to get it. (laughs) Right? Watch this. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, the Bible says, this is number two. You got to experience revelation. The Bible says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. There's a connection between the devastation and the revelation. It was the year that I found out I got cancer, I saw the Lord. It was the year that my, chi- my children uh, walked away. It was the year that I had a miscarriage. It was the year, are oh, you hear what I'm saying? It was the year that I lost everything. I saw the Lord. Listen, my brother, my brother, my brother who, who is responsible who is largely 99% responsible for me being a Bible-believing Christian today. He is responsible for that because at 15 years old, he made a decision to give his heart to Jesus, and I was still out into the world doing all kinds of crazy things that I was doing, and my younger brother, the lifestyle that he lived, began to uh, speak sermons to me without him using words at all, and so I made a decision to give my heart to God, praise God. But guess what? Unfortunately, my, my brother, when he was about 19, 18, 20 years old, he wandered away from that path. And then in 2020, he got COVID. And guess what happened? He saw the Lord. He called me and told me all of the things that he had been doing and how he had wandered away and how COVID saved his life. Because COVID allowed him to see what was most important. Here he is on the bed now. He can't go anywhere. He can barely breathe. But, 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 but what he can do is look up. What he can do is call on the Lord. I want to speak to somebody today to let you know that the devastation that you are experiencing right now or experienced last year or will experience at some point is only preparation for you to see God like you've never seen God before. There are some things that only devastation can teach you that comfort can. So Isaiah says, it was in the year that Uzziah died, that I saw the Lord. Well, how did you see him, Isaiah? I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, he says. Above him were seraphim. Not only does does God pull back the curtain and he get a chance to see God in a way that he'd never seen God before, but he sees angels now interacting with each other. He hears angels not just interacting or seeing them, but it says, each with six wings. Uh, With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were caught... Calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. I'm here to tell you today that Isaiah does not see the revelation of God until it was a death that took place, until some devastation happened in his life. I believe this contributed, major contribution, as to why Isaiah would say send me when he doesn't even know what the assignment is because of the revelation listen listen we all need a fresh revelation of God we need one every day and I would dare say I would dare say that if you have not, hear me, if you have not experienced a revelation from God, then you want absolutely nothing to do with his mission. If you do, then your reasoning is probably off. Because real engagement in the mission of God has to, go, ha- has to grow out of this revelation of seeing who God is. And here's what happens. When you see who God is, you also get a revelation of self. Let me help you. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah says, woe to me. I cry. I am ruined. It's, it's over with for me. He's throwing up his hands. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. In other words, he got a real sense of who he was as a human being. Now, it could be, understand, Isaiah is actually already serving before he gets this revelation. So you you can be actively engaged in serving, you can be volunteering, but it goes to a new level once you get this revelation from God that reveals his greatness as well as how terrible you really are. Then you begin to see that, oh, man, I was volunteering because I like the affirmation that I get. I I was volunteering because it just gave me something to do. Isaiah says, I'm ruined. He got a chance to see how prideful he was. He got a chance to see how filthy his mouth was. He got a chance to understand that, 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 that deep down at my very core, I am absolutely in trouble without God. And then, here's the third thing. The third thing is, you have to experience transformation. See, I praise God that Isaiah, God doesn't leave Isaiah on the ruin. But the next verse says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs. From the altar, with it he touched my mouth and said, "See, this has touched those unclean lips of yours. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for." Oh, somebody ought to say, "Amen." What happens here? What happens here, beloved? Is is, is Isaiah? Isaiah experiences the gospel. Isaiah recognizes how unclean he is, how messed up he is, how prideful he is, how much hatred he has in his heart, how racist he is, how prejudiced he is, how bigoted he is, how male chauvinistic he is. He realizes this because of this revelation from God, and Isaiah cries out, I'm ruined! And the good good news is that God sends this angel. God sends this messenger and says, hey, Isaiah, praise God that you realize how messed up you are right now. But there's hope. There's some good news. Isaiah could not change his situation. He couldn't change it himself. There was something that had to happen that was outside of him that happened for him and to him. And the angel came and touched him and said, you are, your, your, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. That's the gospel. That's what we read. That's what we. That's what we. That's what we. When, when we read, rather, when we read that 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 that, uh, uh, that, that Jesus uh, uh, before it, Romans five, Romans five. Let me let me read it. Let me read it. I wanna I want I wanna quote it as it is. I wanna quote it as it is. Romans chapter five. One of my favorite one of my favorite Bible verses here. Romans chapter five. While while we were while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't wait for Isaiah to get it together. He's not waiting for you to get it together. He's not waiting for you to fix yourself. He's not waiting for you to get everything all straightened out before he, come, before, uh, he, he, he transforms your life. No, I love the scripture that tells us that when God sees Adam walking in the, in the, in the garden and Adam is hiding from him, God does, not go, God does not ask Adam to come to him, but instead God goes to Adam. See, this is this is this is particularly uh, uh, good news uh, for me, brothers and sisters. This is particularly good news for me because it has been it has been it has been my experience. Hallelujah, somebody! It has been my experience. See, this is this is this is Pastor Tars BC. Some of y'all got it. Some of y'all are gonna get it when you're driving home. See, 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 this is when, this is when I was ruined. This is when my lips, hear me now, this is when my lips was unclean. My heart was unclean. My mind was unclean. My soul was tainted. I didn't have a, a clear purpose of God's plan for my life. I didn't know who God was, but I say, praise be to God. For the devastation in my life, which was my house catching on fire and burning down and being homeless and having no place to live. But an Adventist family let me live with them. And that's why I learned about Jesus. Thanks be to God. That he didn't wait on me to get my act together. He didn't wait on me to fix myself up. No matter what new age philosophies are out there that tells you that it's all inside of you. Just look deep within. No, look far out. And look up because your help comes from the Lord. See, 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 the, 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 all, look, 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 this is why, this is why, uh, uh, this is why when you look at people like uh, 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 Saul was transformed. He experienced transformation and became Paul and became the greatest volunteer ever. You look at you look at Jacob who went through transformation he became Israel and whole nations came out of him. Have you been transformed? Have you experienced transformation? Have you had a fresh revelation of Jesus? So here's what happens. Here's what happens. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Here's what happens. What happens? Real transformation leads to an increased sensitivity to hear God's invitation. Watch this now. We went from devastation, the king died. Revelation, I saw the Lord. Transformation, the angel came and touched him. Now it makes sense to me. He didn't hear a vision statement. He didn't hear the strategic goals of the congregation for 2022. He didn't come to a ministry fair. No. The Bible says, as a result of his transformation, then I heard. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Oh, that makes sense to me now, Isaiah. That's why you're so excited, because you've just been changed. You've been transformed. You're ready to do whatever God says. And I believe, look, 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 I, I, I believe, I believe that God looks forward to the day. That when he makes the call, watch this, when he makes the call, And see, here's the thing. God is always speaking. Opportunities to get involved with mission are always happening. It's just that we haven't had a fresh revelation lately to hear what God is saying. But I believe there will be a day, and that day could be today, when the people of God hear God's invitation and every hand goes up. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Here's the last scripture I'm going to share with you. Then we're going to go. Watch this. Watch this. God never asked his people to do things that he wouldn't do himself or that he hadn't already done in principle. So when God says, When God expects you to say, here am I, send me. Guess what? Watch this. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 9. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. God has already said he may need. He's already proven himself to be a God who is willing to bless you, who is willing to save you, who is willing to use you. He's already proven himself to be a God who is available 24-7 when you call him. He doesn't put you on hold. You don't have to make an appointment with him. You don't have to schedule anything. No, 24-7 he is always available and he is always ready to bless his people. The question is, are you? And if you are, I want to challenge you to take these next steps with me. You can text sign up three to 269 28 12345. 269 28 12345. And you will receive the connect card on your mobile device. And you can walk, I want to walk you through these next steps. The first one is, I will, by the grace of God, I I will reframe the tragedy around me as opportunity for ministry. I will reframe the tragedy around me as opportunity for ministry. Number two, I will pray earnestly over the next seven days for a fresh revelation of God and greater transformation of self. I will pray earnestly over the next seven days for a fresh revelation of God and greater transformation of self. Number three, I want to learn more about getting involved with Harbor of Hope as a volunteer. I want to get involved more. Number four, I want to assist Harbor of Hope's summer evangelism efforts with prayer and financial support. Listen, if you've already experienced devastation, You qualify to be a great volunteer. You've already experienced, you've had a revelation from God, you qualify to be a great volunteer. And if you have been transformed, you, my friend, meet all the criteria to declare, here am I, send me. If that's your desire today, I invite you to bow your heads as we pray. Father... Thank you for your declaration. Here am I. Lord, you've made yourself available to us. You've proven that you are willing and ready to bless us and to use us. It's our prayer this morning that we will get to that same place in response to your invitations To go and serve. Help us, Lord. To that end, we pray. In Jesus' name. Let all the people of God who believe say amen. Amen. And amen. God bless you.